Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you like that intro, Mike? Pretty clever, John. Clever. <laughs> it's not quite night levels of clever. Um, I mean, I know I'm going to go off a, a crazy tangent right now, but it'll all come back. Some of the stuff, and uh, listen, I tell you what, give, give yourself an introduction, Mike. Tell us a bit about you, and then I'll, I'll say what I was going to say. Well, let's see. My name is Mike Nakajima. Um, uh, I guess my, my tennis background is I work for Nike for... 30 years. Most of the time was to identify talent, sign athletes and manage some of those uh, tennis players that many of them are still playing on the tour today. Uh, I left in 2017 when I felt that uh, going to another Grand Slam was starting to get nauseating because I think I, by my calculation, I think I hit about 110, 120 of them. And uh, got to be a point where how many more junior tournaments am I going to go? How many more athletes can I sign? And uh, I needed new challenges. So I left in 2017 and and uh, I've got uh, my wife uh, works at Nike. She's been there for 35 years. My I've got three boys. They're all tennis players, played in college. One's currently played in college, my youngest. My two oldest sons work for Nike. And uh, my brother also works for Nike. He's been there about 35 years and now uh, manages LeBron James for Nike. So um, athletes, working with athletes is somebody that something that uh, my entire family has been, uh, had the privilege to work with. And uh, here I am today. Okay. And of course, there's one prominent athlete uh, amongst the Nike family or who was a member of the Nike family. We'll get into him in a second. But before we do... Uh, Excuse me if from time to time my Britishness comes out and I end up saying Nike rather than Nike. I'm sure your time at Wimbledon, I'm sure you got to hear both sides of, of that particular argument. But, of course, it is an American brand. 
And I believe it. It does it have a heritage of something like a Greek god or something? Am I right? Yes, uh, yes. It was named after the Greek goddess of victory. Right, exactly. Yeah, so and I believe that's, Nike is yeah, the it does have a kind of a European heritage in that sense. Yeah, but I think Nike is the correct pronunciation, right? That's correct. So, of course, I mentioned a prominent figure, but listen, there have been dozens of prominent figures uh, within the Nike, uh, as I say, family in terms of uh, tennis in particular. Uh, and you've worked with some of these people, right? Agassi and Sampras among them? Correct. We, you know, of course, you know, the John, John McEnroe's of the world, right? We started Indeed. working with, you know, guys like John and, you know, Tom Gullickson's and many of the, uh, the legends um, on the tour. And it certainly, uh, you know, we went to Agassi, Sampras, Courier. Those are the guys that, you know, after that. And then, of course, you know, a lot of the European, you know, Shtick, you know, we worked in for a while. And, of course, yeah. um, you know, they, you graduate to some of the couple of the few Americans, you know, James Blake, you know, even though we didn't have Andy Roddick, had a good relationship with him. Um you know, many of the young, young Americans today, but, uh, you know, of course you got the Rogers and Serena's and, and Rafa's Maria Sharapova. And then you got the guys today, you know, Madison Keys and Sloan Stevens. Yeah. Carlos, I mean, it Carlos seems Alvarez. like a, I had a, a, a privilege to work with uh, many of those, many of those athletes. Mike, tell us about how the relationship begins. I think one or two of us, maybe who were not quite aware of this, may have got a bit of an insight during the recent um, Williams sisters documentary, if you like, uh, King Richard, obviously uh, from the from the focal point of the father. But probably that gave many tennis fans, especially casual ones, a bit of a small insight into how this relationship begins, because it begins pretty early, right? Yeah, it does begin early. I haven't seen King Richard. Okay. So, you know, many people told me that it's a great, great movie. Uh, one day I'll watch it. Um, but uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. But, yeah, you have to build relationship when they're young. I mean, that's, that's it. You know, when they're 16, 17, 18, everybody knows who they are. Certainly our competitors do. Our age group that we really focused was really 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And that's where we find most of the athletes that we've signed and we sign them, we build relationship with them. And then you build a long-term relation, you know, contract with them that alongs with that uh, comes with that. And that's something that uh, we've always wanted, especially when somebody has an opportunity to win grand slams and certainly have the chance, or this is something that we, we feel like they have a chance to do. That's something that we try to do is sign them into long-term contracts. So you're taking a bit of a gamble. I'm sure that we don't hear about the ones that don't work out, if you like. But of course, we do hear about the ones that do. And one of the ones that has worked out most prominently for Nike and tennis over the last two decades anyway, uh, of course, is Roger Federer. Um, when did that relationship begin? And where do you come into that relationship, Mike? Well, it's, it's um, I think, in the mid-90s when, I believe, when we signed, signed Roger. Um, very promising young athlete. Our guys in Europe um, found him. And of course, at the time, we felt that tennis was really predominantly in the US. The rivalry of Agassi Sampras was huge in the mid 90s. Those guys are one and two in the world. But you can see that the, the game was moving towards Europe. Certainly with the emergency of guys like 
Roger, we felt that, wow, here's a guy's uber talented. And uh, we felt like he might be somebody that uh, we might have a great relationship with. And of course, at the time, did we know that he's going to be as great as he's going to be? Of course, of course not. But you see glimpse of talent. And in in my job, you know, when you go see athletes such as that, you go watch him hit 10 balls and you know that, that there's somebody that's special. And at the time, we, you know, we all get together and we discuss about certain athletes. In Roger's case, he wasn't that because he wasn't, you know, we didn't deem like he was, we're not, we weren't currently signing a number one player in the world. So one of our guys in Europe signed him and, and over time we start to gradual, you know, ascent into the rankings. And, and uh, as we all know now, he's one of the all time greatest athletes, not just tennis, but all time greatest athletes and certainly a better person than he is a tennis player. Okay. What made Roger so appealing from from not just Nike, but any marketing or any sports brands uh, point of view? I think he's very grounded. Um, he, you know, from his upbringing, great parents. Um, Roger was somebody who understood what's it mean to be part of a company that markets him. And when you do that, he also understands spending time with the people that um, certainly pay him, but at the same time, really believed in him when he wasn't that big. But we took a chance, as we do with, you know, a few of the others. And he understand to spend time with the people that can help him catapult him, because I really believe that athletes are great. Some of the many of the athletes are great and they'll always be great. What what Nike does is adds that marketing touch to it that making just blast them off into the stratosphere. And I think that's what we were able to do with Roger. And like I said, Roger would have been probably the all-time greatest without Nike. But without the marketing, you know, I don't think he would be as big as he is today, certainly not as quick. And he understood that when we meet with the Nike people, he will give us all the time in the world, you know, to talk about product, talk about advertising. And and his personality is something that uh, many of the top athletes don't have, I think. But uh, he was he he is a special person. That's somebody that I think everybody in Nike still holds really dear to their heart because the the, the chance that we had to work together was very special um some of those moments actually which we're obviously going to get into in terms of off the court with with roger and i'm thinking about some of the nike advertising which by the way has been uh pretty cool over the last 30 years i would say and i'm talking about from a soccer perspective i'm a huge soccer fan i remember some of the Nike commercials that were groundbreaking in the 90s where you had billboards across the world and various soccer stars, you know, kicking the ball from Rio to London to Paris. And of course, every player, unbelievable. Other soccer ones as well. We had the Brazilians at the airport playing playing football through the terminal. And it, the, the great twist at the end is when they end up hitting the post and one of the players goes like, because it, it kind of surprises you expect it to be a perfect goal, but it, it wasn't. And tennis as well. And Roger in particular, I remember... 
uh, a Nike advert with him coming home from work and somebody's broken into his apartment, but it's a guy with a with a machine gun firing out tennis balls. And it's just, just extremely funny, extremely appealing. What was Roger's attitude to adverts such as this? And I'm probably missing a couple of other cool, really cool uh, Roger Nike moments, but what was Roger's attitude? I mean, he's a pretty good actor too, right? I think so. You know, and I think he 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 doesn't mind laughing at himself, right? He's a funny guy, beautiful smile. You know, he's got a great sense of humor, and I think in that sense, he's that becomes very appealing to the consumer, right? Back in the day when we used to do a lot more network TV ads and so forth, and it was you know it was expensive, but it was definitely worth spending enough the the amount of time and money into into somebody like that who you know is going to get into the latter part of the Grand Slam, it was an easy conversation to have. And certainly in, in Roger's case, you know, as as busy as he was, he always made time for, for us. And once again, that just speaks volumes to what who Roger really is. Um, I mean, I've seen him do other commercials as well in the last couple of years for Swiss travel or Swiss tourism board, if you like. Uh, and, and he continues to have a brand in that sense. But of course, that brand is not anymore associated with Nike. And what are your thoughts? You left Nike in 2017. The relationship between Roger and Nike ended in 2018. Uh, so I guess you didn't really have too much of an influence over, over what happened. But what are your thoughts on the separation, let's say? Uh, you know, I wish he was still with Nike. That's that's for sure. I think there was a great opportunity for Nike to do a lot of amazing things with Roger post-retirement. But it, it wasn't meant to be. Things happen for a reason. And uh, I totally understand. It's It saddens me, but it happened and you have to kind of move forward. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, Because probably, again, some people from around the world, we're, we're a global uh, you know, broadcaster, probably don't quite understand that some of these relationships with the top, top stars doesn't end at the end of their career because Roger has signed a 10-year deal with Uniqlo in 2018. Um, and it's a Japanese uh, sort of brand, if you like. Very different to Nike, aren't they, Uniqlo? It's more like a the way I talk to Europeans about Uniqlo, it's a bit like an H&M maybe, uh, sort of, you know, it's a, just a very modest place to get relatively good good priced clothing and you know he signed up with Uniqlo in 2018 I know that Uniqlo also were associated with Djokovic earlier in his career as well but it's a big shift for Roger um what are the what why would he leave Nike given how it was I mean I guess you're going to tell me about the 30 million dollars a year right of course I'm you know that's got a lot to do with it I'm sure you know, but really, I mean, I'm not Roger and it certainly wasn't part of the decision making process. And Roger has to do what Roger has to do. You know, you don't you don't fault him for somebody offering that kind of money and not, you know, not take it. You know, so like I said, you know, if, hey, listen, if I was in the same shoes, I would have done the same thing. 
So in once again, you know, he's trying to, you know, really grow his brand, you know, the Roger Federer brand and, and therefore gave uh, an opportunity for him to further do that. Um, but also Roger is a business and entrepreneur and he and his team has created the, the labor cup and has been, you know, wildly successful. So he has other, you know, interests that I know that he wants to do. And, you know, this is just one of those things that, that he, this is a decision he decided to, to make. And like I said, I don't fault him for that at all. I just, I, I was, I just wish he would have finished uh, his career with Nike, but just wasn't meant to be. What are the the post-career contract? Let's say, because, I mean, how does this work? If you're a tennis player, somebody like Rafa, of course, is still with Nike, Rafa Nadal. Um, you know, his career could end next week or it could end next year and it could end in five years. And I guess Nike, of course, don't know, but even Rafa himself doesn't know. So, you know, I, I believe his contract that she's up this year, I believe, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, how does that work with with Roger Federer, for example? He doesn't know the day when his career ends. So, is are there stipulations? Are there clauses in the contract? Or, as with Roger's case, and with with Michael Jordan and various other you know big big stars, the the contract goes beyond, doesn't it? That the sport itself they, they they do transcend the sport in 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 more ways than one, even after they retire. Well, many athletes have that in their contract post retirement. Right. So you continue to create product with their logo or mark or, you know, then you, they get royalties. And if the athlete is popular and the product is popular, you're going to continue to garner royalties, you know, in the millions. So that's obviously an incentive for them to continue to be present and be relevant in, in the sport, which I know Roger will continue to be. And therefore, his brand will be relevant. Um, so I guess, you know, there are clauses in most athletes' contracts. When you stop playing, you know, there is a minimum play requirement. You have to play a certain amount of tournaments, you know, for you to be paid, right? But if that goes away, you know, you have to either restructure the contract if it's somebody that Nike or anybody wants to continue to have a relationship with, or you let them go. Right. In a case like Roger, I'm sure, you know, there's some kind of stipulation, the Uniqlo contract that beyond playing, there's an opportunity for him to make a lot of money because of the product that they will make behind the Roger Federer brand, so to speak. And and Roger can continue to make now is he, you know, but in his case, you know, he's regardless of what happens. And, you know, I think the, the contract says that he's going to be making those 30 million, which, hey, listen, that's that's an amazing contract to have. And <laughs> I would want one of those, too. Of course. Um, let's talk about the other guy that has been in the Nike stable most prominently over the last two decades, and in tennis anyway, at least, and that's Rafa Nadal. As a, as a touchdown, I believe his contract is up uh, either this year or next. I think it's this year, actually. Um, uh, do we know if that's going to be renewed? Is, is not, Are they not going to make the same mistake, as, as you suggest, with, with Federer, with Nadal? I mean, Nadal's a different brand. You know, and yet, but still very successful. Of course, you've got the the Raging Bull logo, a bit like the RF with Federer. How would that work? What are your What's your awareness of, of the situation with Rafa? John, I don't know. I mean, that's not you know that's not for me to say. You know, I don't want to talk on behalf of Nike. Okay. Um, I would love, obviously, once again, to for for Rafa to stay for his entire career. We signed him, you know, when he's eleven or twelve years old. 
Uh Right. We want, you know, I would love for him, nothing more for him to finish his career at Nike and just re really become part of part of the history of Nike, you know, just like, you know, John McEnroe, when he just came out of Stanford and, you know, and he's, he's been a Nike athlete since, you know, when, when Phil Knight considers John McEnroe, the fire of the company. You know, I would say, you know, I mean, I would love to see somebody like a Rafa Nadal be the rock of the company. This is just me. But, you know, he just one of those guys that amazing athlete, once again, an amazing person, right? That's exactly the type of person that a company wants to stand behind. And I hope that that he finishes his career at Nike. But like I said, it's not I'm not privy to any of the conversation until he walks on the court with Nike or not with Nike. That's when when the world, rest of the world finds out is when I'll find out. Yeah, got it. I, I did see him for the first time, I think, in 20 years or even long, as you say, he signed up, I think, in his, uh, in, in his youth. I did see him wearing non-night clothes whilst practicing on a tennis court for the first time ever. It was last summer in the grass court season, just, just before Wimbledon. I think he was practicing somewhere in Mallorca. That may have been a coincidence, but people did start to, to chatter at, at that point. But listen, let's not go down the alleyway because, as you said, you don't really know much more than, than what you've said. But I do want to touch on, on both Federer and Nadal and others like that. You, you said how appealing they are as a brand, as well as obviously very successful tennis players. What about Novak Djokovic? Why has he not necessarily been on Nike's radar? That's a good question. You know, we made a conscious decision to, to have a, you know, a directive on which athletes to sign. And we just decided that, hey, Rafa and Roger are the two guys that we felt are going to be the guys leading the torch, you know, in the, in the men's tennis front, you know, you know, it's, it's quite possible that Novak's going to be the greatest of all time, you know, from a grand slam standpoint. And if that happens, wow, it's just, it's an amazing feat, you know, but it's just a decision that we made consciously that Roger and Rafa are the two guys that we decided to go after and, and nothing more than that. You know, like I said, um, he's had an amazing career and he'll continue to, to to do have that um but we just felt that you know those are the two guys that we wanted to stand behind and those are the guys that would decide to continue to renew their contracts you in as an individual mike i hope you don't mind me saying that i really became aware of you as little as five months ago uh, courtesy of this uh this book here about federer and the federer effect a lot of which we've already touched upon um, but it's it's very interesting. You 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 know you 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 have a a role in it if you like, and and they the guys Simon and Simon Graf and Simon Cambers I or Cambers I interviewed them last year about this book, and and you're one of the guys they spoke to because how can you not with with the influence that or the relationship that Roger and, and Nike had together, um, but you did highlight the situation with Novak and. You know, you did suggest that there's always a sort of a dark cloud around him, and maybe that is something that Nike wouldn't find so appealing, right? Well, once again, you know, you, it's very expensive, you know, to sign all those three players. You know, the tennis is a very small business within Nike. Sure. So when you say that, you know, back in the day when we wanted to go after 10 athletes and we got nine of them, we felt, okay, well, we can let that one go. Well, it's not that case anymore. Right. And slowly and slowly over the years, that's changed. So even if you want to go after somebody, you know, a top three players in the world, it's very, very difficult for us to do that. 
right? So once again, you know, it's a decision that you make. You put everything in the into the basket and decide who are the guys that we want to stand behind. And it just so happened that for us, it became Roger and, and Rafa. And those are the players that we decided to go after, right? Now, what, what Novak has done, hey, we all are aware of it. You know, what happened is unfortunate, but it is what it is. But we stand behind, you know, the decision that we made at the time that we just felt like these are the two guys that we wanted to stand behind. You know, it's nothing against Novak. Novak has done amazing things, you know, that I, I enjoy watching him. He's a great competitor, speaks well and, you know, however many languages that he speaks. And like I said, he could well become the greatest player of all time, you know, and we don't have a crystal ball. If we felt that somebody else is going to be the greatest player of all time, we could have gone after him. But also from a marketing standpoint, we felt that, you know, Serbia was is not a big market for us. Right. Got so it. you have to take that into consideration as well. You know, I mean, Switzerland, a big market. Well, maybe not. But when he became the Roger Federer, he transcends that and he became a global athlete. And we just said, OK, that's good enough. And certainly Spanish, you know, player like Rafa, he's somebody that we felt that, hey, Spain is a big market for us and he has a huge following. So. Those are, you know, the athletes that we decided to hang our hat with and and you have to stick by our guns and we just go with it, you know. So nothing personal to Novak. Maybe he didn't want to be with Nike anyway because he certainly got treated well from, you know, from Lacoste and Uniqlo and Adidas before that. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's the decision you make as as a group and we stand behind it. The comments that you made in the book, by the way, it took a few months for them to trickle out because – it did become a, a social media thing for a few days a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure you're aware of that. But even more than social media, even Lacoste decided to respond. Did you see that? I did read the headlines. Um, I mean, I like to think that whoever made that the comment has bigger things to do than just, you know, to <laughs> comment on. So the, you know, the comment why. was that Lacoste would would not entertain, I think, Rafa and they're very happy with Novak, more or less. Which is which is which is great. Right. But one, once again, there's a couple of things. One, Rafa was never available to them Two, uh, we weren't even talking about Rafa. We're talking about Roger. Roger. Yeah. Right. So I don't. I don't quite understand um, that comparison, but listen, you know, um, I, I did hear about that. And uh, once again, I just, you know, for me, it's like, wow, you know, I mean, people wanted to talk about that. You know, there are a lot of great things that were said about Roger and, and the media kind of expends it as, oh my gosh, did you hear what so-and-so said about so-and-so? And that's what makes the headlines, which, you know, before Indian Wells, you know, when there were there was a little bit of lull in the tennis news, <laughs> that made a little bit of headlines. If that book were to come out during Indian Wells, I'm not sure if anybody would have really even, you know, read it. But it is what it is. All my friends are giving me crap about it, but hey, whatever. <laughs> I think um, I think that probably they are responding not necessarily to you, but to social media to some extent. Extent the people there, and even the journalists are acting on that, and maybe even prompting such a response as, as I'm sure you're aware, Mike. Listen, before I let you go, I do want to talk about Nike now uh, in tennis, and just a couple of minutes on 
on where things are right now in the next couple of years. I mean, there have been a few, you know, high profile names that are no longer with Nike over the last few months. I think Sloane Stevens is one of them, but Donna Vekic, Marta uh, Kostiuk, Kostiuk, sorry, Marketa von Drusova, and possibly most notably Andre Rublev, are uh, all no longer with Nike and all in such a short space of time. Does this mean anything or is it just one of those things that happens uh, where players come and go and, and and there may be some more players coming through? Or are Nike maybe streamlining a bit and just maybe putting all their eggs in the Alcaraz basket, for example? You don't want to really put all your eggs in one basket. Okay. But the tennis business has to improve. Okay. Right? Yeah. If Nike is a $40 billion company in tennis business is less than 1% of that, you know, you have to, you know, somehow the industry, you know, needs to, to up, have an upswing, in my opinion, right? Obviously, okay, yeah. here in the U.S., pickleball you know, has become huge in taking over tennis courts, right? You know, a lot of tennis players are playing pickleball now. You know, am I blaming Nike not signing, resigning certain athletes because of pickleball? No, I'm not saying that. There's a lot of factors behind it. Once again, I don't want to speak on their behalf. I was there, did a lot of things at Nike that I'm sure a lot of people question, right? I'm not about to question my former colleagues with how they do their business. They know what they're doing and they have a business plan that they're going to stand behind, right? Um, I, I love Sloan. We had her as a junior. She won the U.S. Open. You know, certainly wish her well. I saw that she's wearing something, something you know, another brand. Andre Rublev, he's wearing a, a brand that is a friend of his has created. So he wants to help his friend, you know, hey, all that, check. I don't, I don't blame them for that, right? At the end of the day, if that helps them, you know, continue to, to play better on the court, great, right? But at the same time, the budgets are tight. You know, every year we go through this exercise of budget cuts and budget cuts and budget cuts. You know, you don't want to put all the, you know, all the eggs in that Carlito basket. But, um, you know, certainly he sounds like, you know, he's the real deal. But, you know, you when you, the danger of putting all the eggs in one basket, if that athlete gets hurt or if that athlete loses in the first round, then what, right? So you want to spread out your eggs, so to speak. Make sure, and that's what we tried to do, is to make sure we have representation. We want to be in the week, the second weekend of Grand Slam. That is, we try to stream. We no longer sponsor tournaments. You know, we didn't really care about the, you know, who everybody else around the court wearing the product. We just wanted the athlete holding the trophy with the logo. That is the only thing that we cared about. It was the brand presence. If their decision is to, you know, Carlos and, you know, uh, Sabalenka's of the world, and that's what they're going to do. And that's what they're hoping that they're going to have the exposure that they're looking for with them holding the trophy. Then, then, Hey, I hope that that happens. Cause obviously Sabalenka went Australia was huge. You know, Carlos, you know, going, going back to number one in the world. I mean, I mean, I'm excited for Nike, right. But you can't sign nine out of 10 athletes anymore. Those days are gone. Right. So now if there's 10 athletes who want to go after, you want to two athletes and you want to go hard and go after those two athletes, because I really believe that if Nike wants to go after an athlete, they'll get that athlete. 
you know, that's the, that's the, that's the strength of the brand. And I will truly believe that that's what they're going to do. And, and uh, I wish our colleagues get best of luck because, you know, I think that there's some great things out there. Well, Mike, we're pretty much dead on 30 minutes. So I'm really appreciative of your time this morning as it is where you are in California, right? No, Oregon. you're in Oregon, so Yeah, I'm just right down yeah. the street from Nike, actually, still. <laughs> nice, on your doorstep. Uh, I'm in Germany, so it's Saturday evening here. But listen, one, one more time, just want to say a big thank you to you for your time. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate Great. it. Great. And I will play us out with this little 10-second video. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.